0: Chapter One of In the Footsteps of the Padres by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One Old Days in El Dorado. Four In the Wake of Drake. We were buried alive in fathomless depths of fog. We were a fixture until that fog lifted. It was an impenetrable barrier upon the point of entering one of the most wonderful harbors in the world the glory of the newest of new lands we found ourselves prisoners and for a time at least involved in the mazes of ancient history in fifteen thirty five cortez coasted both sides of the gulf of california first called the sea of cortez or the vermilion sea perhaps from its resemblance to the red sea between arabia and egypt or possibly from the discoloration of its waters near the mouth of the rio colorado or red river in fifteen seventy seven captain drake even then distinguished as a navigator fitted out a buccaneering expedition against the spaniards it was a wild goose chase and led him round the globe in those days the wealth of the philippines was shipped annually in a galleon from manila to acapulco mexico on its way to europe drake hoped to intercept one of these richly laden galleons and he therefore threaded the straits of magellan and sailing northward found himself in fifteen seventy nine within sight of the coast of california all along the pacific shore from patagonia to california he was busily occupied in capturing and plundering spanish settlements and spanish ships wishing to turn home with his treasure and fearing he might be waylaid by his enemies if he were again to thread the straits of magellan he thought to reach england by the cape of good hope this was in the autumn of fifteen seventy nine to quote the language of an old chronicler of the voyage he was obliged to sail toward the north in which course having continued six hundred leagues and being got into forty-three degrees north latitude they found it intolerably cold Upon which they steered southward till they got into thirty eight degrees north latitude, where they discovered a country which, from its white cliffs, they called Nova Albion, though it is now known by the name of California. They here discovered a bay, which, entering with a favorable gale, they found several huts by the waterside, well defended from the severity of the weather going on shore they found a fire in the middle of each house and the people lying around it upon rushes the men go quite naked but the women have a deerskin over their shoulders and round their waist a covering of bulrushes after the manner of hemp these people bringing the admiral captain drake a present of feathers and coils of networks he entertained them so kindly and generously that they were extremely pleased and afterward they sent him a present of feathers and bags of tobacco. A number of them, coming to deliver it, gathered themselves together at the top of a small hill, from the highest point of which one of them harangued the admiral, whose tent was placed at the bottom. When the speech was ended, they laid down their arms and came down, offering their presents, at the same time returning what the admiral had given them the women remaining on the hill tearing their hair and making dreadful howlings the admiral supposed they were engaged in making sacrifices and thereupon ordered divine service to be performed at his tent at which these people attended with astonishment the arrival of the english in california being soon known through the country two persons in the character of ambassadors came to the admiral and informed him in the best manner they were able that the king would visit him if he might be assured of coming in safety being satisfied on this point a numerous company soon appeared in front of which was a very comely person bearing a kind of sceptre on which hung two crowns and three chains of great length the chains were of bones and the crowns of network curiously wrought with feathers of many colours next to sceptre-bearer came the king a handsome majestic person surrounded by a number of tall men dressed in skins who were followed by the common people who to make the grander appearance had painted their faces of various colours and all of them even the children being loaded with presents the men being drawn up in line of battle the admiral stood ready to receive the king within the fences of his tent the company halted at a distance and the sceptre-bearer made a speech half an hour long at the end of which he began singing and dancing in which he was followed by the king and all the people who continuing to sing and dance came quite up to the tent when sitting down the king took off his crown of feathers placed it on the admiral's head and put on him the other ensigns of royalty and it is said he made him a solemn tender of his whole kingdom all which the admiral accepted in the name of the queen his sovereign in hope that these proceedings might one time or other contribute to the advantage of england the people dispersing themselves among the admiral's tents professed the utmost admiration and esteem for the English, whom they looked upon as more than mortal, and accordingly prepared to offer sacrifices to them, which the English rejected with abhorrence, directing them by various signs that their religious worship was alone due to the supreme maker and preserver of all things. The admiral, at his departure, set up a pillar with a large plate on it, on which were engraved Her Majesty's name, picture arms and title to the country together with the admiral's name and the time of his arrival there pinkerton says in his description of drake's voyage the land is so rich in gold and silver that upon the slightest turning it up with a spade these rich materials plainly appear mixed with the mould it is not strange if this were the case that the natives who though apparently gentle and well-disposed were barbarians should naturally have possessed the taste so characteristic of a barbarous people and have loved to decorate themselves even lavishly with ornaments rudely fashioned in this rare metal yet they seem to know little of its value and to care less for it than for fuss and feathers either they were a singularly stupid race simpler even than the child of ordinary intelligence or they scorned the allurements of a metal that so few are able to resist drake was not the first navigator to touch upon these shores the explorer juan cabrillo in fifteen forty two forty three visited the coast of upper california a number of landings were made at different points along the coast and on the islands near santa barbara cabrillo died during the expedition but his successor ferrallo continued the voyage as far north as latitude forty two degrees probably drake had no knowledge of the discovery of california by the spaniards six and thirty years before he dropped anchor in the bay that now bears his name and for many years he was looked upon as the first discoverer of the golden state even to this day there are those who give him all the credit queen elizabeth knighted him for his service in this and his previous expeditions telling him as his chronicler records that his actions did him more honour than his title her majesty seems not to have been much impressed by his tales of the riches of the new world if indeed they ever came to the royal ear for she made no effort to develop the resources of her territory No adventurous Argonauts set sail for the Pacific coast in search of gold till two hundred and seventy years later. There seems to have been a spell cast over the land and the sea. We are sure that Sir Francis Drake did not enter the Bay of San Francisco, and that he had no knowledge of its existence, though he was almost within sight of it in one of the records of his voyage we read of the chilly air and of the dense fogs that prevailed in that region of the white banks and cliffs which lie toward the sea and of islands which are known as the farallones and which lie about thirty miles off the coast and opposite the golden gate in fifteen eighty seven captain thomas cavendish afterward knighted by queen elizabeth touched upon cape st lucas at the extremity of lower california he was a privateer lying in wait for the galleon laden with the wealth of the philippines and bound for acapulco when she hove in sight there was a chase a hot engagement and a capture by the english admiral this prize says the historian of the voyage contained one hundred and twenty two thousand pesos of gold besides great quantities of rich silks satins damasks, and musk with a good stock of provisions. In those romantic and adventurous days, piracy was legalized by formal license. The spoils were supposed to consist of gold and silver only, or of light movable goods. The next English filibuster to visit the California coast was Captain Woods Rogers, arriving in November 1709 he described the natives of the california peninsula as being quite naked and strangers to the european manner of trafficking they lived in huts made of boughs and leaves erected in the form of bowers with a fire before the door round which they lay and slept some of the women wore pearls about their necks which they fastened with a string of silk grass having first notched them round captain rogers imagined that the wearers of the pearls did not know how to bore them and it is more than likely that they did not neither did they know the value of these pearls for they were mixed with sticks bits of shells and berries which they thought so great an ornament that they would not accept glass beads of various colours which the english offered them the narrator says the men are straight and well built having long black hair and are of a dark brown complexion they live by hunting and fishing they use bows and arrows and are excellent marksmen the women whose features are rather disagreeable are employed in making fishing lines or in gathering grain which they grind upon a stone the people were willing to assist the english in filling water and would supply them with whatever they could get they were a very honest people, and would not take the least thing without permission. Such were the aborigines of California. Captain Woods Rogers did not hesitate to take whatever he could lay his hands on. He captured the great Manila ship, as the Chronicle records. The prize was called Nuestra Signora de la Encarnacion, commanded by Sir John Pitchbury, a gallant Frenchman the prisoners said that the cargo in india amounted to two millions of dollars she carried one hundred and ninety-three men and mounted twenty guns the exact locality of drake's bay was for years a vexed question so able an authority as alexander von humboldt says the port of san francisco is frequently confounded by geographers with the port of drake farther north under thirty eight degrees ten minutes of latitude called by the spaniards the puerto de bodega the truth is bodega bay lies some miles north of drake's bay or jack's harbour as the sailors call it the latter according to the log of the admiral may be found in latitude thirty seven degrees fifty nine minutes five seconds longitude one hundred and twenty two degrees fifty seven and a half minutes the cliffs about drake's bay resemble in height and colour those of great britain in the english channel at brighton and dover therefore it seems quite natural that sir francis should have called the land new albion as for the origin of the name california some etymologists contend that it is derived from two latin words calida fornax or as the spanish put it caliente forniale, a hot furnace certainly it is hot enough in the interior though the coast is ever cool the name seems to have applied to lower california between 1535 and 1539 mr edward everett hale rediscovered in 1862 an old printed romance in which the name california was before the year 1520 applied to a fabulous island that lay near the indus and otherwise very near the terrestrial paradise The colonists under Cortez were perhaps the first to apply it to lower California, which was long thought to be an island. The name San Francisco was given to a port on the California coast for the first time by Carmenyan, who ran ashore near Point Reyes or in Drake's Bay when voyaging from the Philippines in 1595 at any rate the name was not given to the famous bay that now bears it before seventeen sixty nine and until that date it was unknown to the world it is not true as some have conjectured that the name san francisco was given to any port in memory of sir francis drake spanish catholics gave the name in honor of st francis of assisi drake was an englishman and a freebooter who had no love for the saints that the bay of san francisco should have so long remained undiscovered is the more remarkable inasmuch as many efforts were made to survey and settle the coast california was looked upon as the el dorado of new spain it was believed that it abounded in pearls gold silver and other metals and even in diamonds and precious stones fruitless expeditions private or royal set forth in sixteen fifteen sixteen thirty three and sixteen thirty four sixteen forty sixteen forty two and sixteen forty eight sixteen sixty five and sixteen sixty eight but nothing came of these a hundred years later the spanish friars established their peaceful missions and in seventeen seventy six the mission church of san francisco was dedicated At last the fog began to show signs of life and motion. Huge masses of opaque mist that had shut us in like walls of alabaster were rent asunder and noiselessly rolled away. The change was magical. In a few moments we found ourselves under a cloudless sky upon a sparkling sea flooded with sunshine and the golden gate wide open to give us welcome. End of Part 4